Thank you for downloading this podcast from Abrupt Audio. You can find more episodes of this and many other podcasts at abruptaudio.com. Subscribe today to get the next episode automatically. Coming up on this week's Pixel Podcast. We go over all the top April Fool's pranks this year. We talk about Tesla announcing their new Model 3. Windows 10 anniversary update on its way this summer. As our main topic is all to do with Nintendo firing a female gamer. You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Pixel Podcast. Don't forget that if you haven't checked us out on our other platforms, we are available on abruptaudio.com forward slash pixel, that's P-I-X-3-L. We're available on the iTunes store and on the podcast app for iOS. And finally, we're available on Android on the Stitcher app as well. Also, you can get involved in the conversation by following us on our new Twitter account, which is at Pixel Podcast. So before we get started with our first weekly catch-up topics, it's time for me to, of course, introduce my co-host this week, Martin. Hello, Ben. It's nice to be back. The worst time to have a heart attack is during a game of charades. You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. For our first topic, it's going to be April Fool's. Since our last podcast till now, obviously April Fool's has happened, so here are some of our favourite pranks to happen. The first one is titled, Someone Slashed Your Tyres, Mate. This is where someone has printed off the musical legend that is Slash and stuck them on the person's tyres. The second one is the Silent Lou app. When you're caught short and you don't want to be caught, you can use this app. This app will have a few sounds where it will drown out the sound of you on the loo, shall we say. It comes with washing your hands, everyone's old classic favourite, to the unusual tsunami. And finally, a train carriage for dogs. The North Yorkshire Moors Railway created a carriageway specifically for dogs this April Fool's Day. So those are all really great. I particularly enjoyed the whole slash tyres thing. I think that's absolutely amazing. Uh, I love those little bit of fun. Some of my favourite ones also was BBC made a joke that they were going to bring back VHS tapes to their store so you could buy all your favourite shows in VHS. I personally enjoyed that one. Uh, YouTube announced that they were going to do Snoopervision so some of your videos you could actually watch back in this theatre joined by Snoop Dogg who was given a commentary over some videos. Uh, the only thing I didn't like was maybe there wasn't that many videos that you could watch it on and it had the little icon on some videos like, oh my God, you could watch this video in Snoopervision. No, it just took you to the other videos where you could. Uh, still, it was really cool. You could see some slow-mo guy stuff in Snoopervision. That was really cool. Donald Trump got in on the action. You could buy uh, Donald Trump uh, greetings cards. To be honest with you, doesn't seem like much of a prank to me. And of course, you could rent an apartment in the moon. Flight's not included. And uh, you are four minutes walk from Neil Armstrong's US flag. I'm sure that this is something that will happen in the future. So uh, we joke about it now, but I can see that definitely happening. But yeah, going back to the train carriage for dogs, uh, I actually quite enjoyed that one. That was really, really cool. You know, to go on the North uh, Yorkshire Moors Railway and uh, to see dogs in there, that was pretty cool. Uh, definitely on topic for the TV show that uh, myself and Martin is, along with uh, a load of our university um, colleagues, are making called Millionaire Dog. All about the dog sort of market and also about the things that people do in order to give their dog sort of the best and, 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 and things like that. So uh, it's sort of definitely in keeping with that. It's a shame maybe we couldn't have got involved with that for the documentary, but that'd been really, really awesome. So yeah, that's basically our favourite things from April Fool's Day. Don't forget to tweet us at Pixel Podcast with some of your favourite things or maybe something that you did to someone else on April Fool's Day. So our second topic is all to do with electric cars and Tesla. Now, anyone who has been interested in electric cars has been very much awaiting 
Tesla Model 3, which is set to be one of the more affordable Tesla cars for the masses. Yes, it has been officially announced now. The release is set for 2017, and the price starts at about $35,000, a far more reasonable price to pay for an electric vehicle. We've been waiting 10 years for this, and CEO Elon Musk hopes that this car will be the one that is brought to the masses. At the unveiling of the Model 3, at the company's design studio in California, Tesla CEO Elon Musk said the car would deliver at least 215 miles of range, beginning at just $35,000. That's a bold claim and an important one for Tesla to meet. Musk is fairly confident that deliveries will begin by the end of 2017, and you will not be able to buy a better car for $35,000, even with no options. And it will be one of the safest cars in the world. This is according to Musk. Some of the stats for the car is set to do zero to 60 in less than six seconds, 250 miles of range, like we said, plus supercharged support is standard, which is something that is really, really important. Uh, not only the miles, but it's also how quickly you can get that battery top back up if you are on a bit of a road trip. And these, uh, these charge points are popping up more and more frequently. I've seen them in quite a few supermarket car parks now, which is gonna be really, really useful. But I reckon that even though it's gonna start at $35,000, a lot of the extras that you're gonna see on the Tesla car, uh, especially the Model 3, that you might wanna get if, you, if you've been seeing some of the other more expensive vehicles, is definitely gonna push this vehicle up to a higher amount of money. I can see, honestly, before you've added a few things on that probably you're gonna to wanna to have, maybe things like air conditioning and the like, you're probably gonna look at a car that's about $40,000. But it's still very good to see. It's very, very competitive, especially if you look at some of the other vehicles out there, some of them are only semi-electric and are costing around the same sort of money. So be able to get a full electric vehicle with uh, the sort of maybe pedigree that the Tesla's starting to build up, the reputation uh, that it's starting to build up, I think it's going to be really, really interesting. Just before we move over to Martin, I do want to sort of talk about the success of uh, things so far on the Model 3. It has had twice the amount of pre-orders than expected. The company was especially surprised by the number of people who lined up at Tesla stores to place their orders in person. While online orders opened at 7.30 p.m. PT on Thursday, customers who went into Tesla retail locations were able to deposit $1,000 and place a pre-order on Thursday morning. They said that they expected maybe 20 to 30 people to line up per store, not 800. So obviously it has gone really well for them and uh, numbers are being thrown around how many pre-orders have been set at the minute, but it, whatever the actual number is, it's very, very high, and uh, if you are looking to pre-order one, you're gonna be waiting a very, very long time, is all I'm gonna say. But Martin, do you think the hype's worth it? Do you think that um, having a car like this um, that's actually put to the masses at $35,000, do you think this can be more appealing to a lot more people? Do you think this is gonna, hopefully, um, you know, allow more people to be able to buy these sort of cars? I think it is a great idea, and with the price, it's actually very cheap, what I had in mind. I thought it'd be even double, maybe triple that, actually. So I feel like it's a great car to buy, and Musk did say it's one of the most safest cars in the world when it comes out. So, and that's what I'm more interested in, safety, like it, and also the speed it can go at. Like a few years ago, if you told me an electric car could do that sort of speed, I'd call your bluff. But no, it is a fantastic car, it looks amazing, and I feel like it'd be good for environmental purposes, and also I feel like for the price, it's a good buy. 
Now, I'm someone who does enjoy cars and, and loves looking at the next few cars, and it's sort of almost in a petrol-heady type of way. So electric cars, normally, to me, would be something that, you know, that sort of scares me a little bit because it's going to change the way cars are made and going to make them more safe and probably more dull and, and boring. But I think, you know, Tesla's almost proving that to be a little bit different. Some of their cars are really interesting, and they're using the technology to bring some really cool ideas to the table. Their whole one-screen, like, center dashboard thing, I think is really cool. The way they receive updates over the internet with the whole security issues is very, very important. And they're developing developing lots of new things and bringing things to the masses in a way that I think the other car companies are very slow. And I think it is going to mean that they're going to definitely be the first to the to the to the table here. I think they really are going to do some stuff that maybe the car companies um, are going to be a bit slow to catch up with. Even though they are slowly getting there, I still think that the Tesla do have the upper hand. They definitely have the hype around them, which is half the battle there. I think Elon is making a very big claim to say this is going to be one of the safest cars in the world. We're going to have to wait and see. And the whole center bit of the of the roof is all going to be glass, but it's going to be safe glass that, like the windscreen, doesn't shatter, and it's got big safe boundaries about it. So it should be fine. Um, that's the only thing I would notice about the car that might be a bit iffy, but um, if they're using the same things in the windshield, which I'm pretty sure they would be, um, that's going to be just as safe as well. And also, I think it's going to give you far more of a, of, a, of a better sort of viewing experience. You haven't got a small back window to look out of. You can see a lot more out of it. So probably in that sense it's going to be safe and I think what some people forget about is some of these other electric cars are quite slow generally and uh, to have a fast electric car actually makes it safer because I feel that actually having um, more speed especially off the mark generally it makes a car a lot safer you can get out of situations a lot better um, you know if you talk to any uh, motorcyclists they'll say the fact that they can quickly get out of situations and, and sort of agile and move out of them makes them actually far safer than um, sort of slower cars that you know are kind of like you know um, take a long time to, to be able to, to sort of move out of situation and react. So I think being able to get off the mark, and that is the great thing about electric motors, they have great torque on them, they, they do get to those speeds really quickly. I think honestly, I think that's going to be safer, and I think people don't really look at it that way, but it is definitely a way to look at it. If you can get out of a situation quicker and easier, make that quick response reaction, I think it's not just about having good brakes, I think it is about getting out of that situation quickly. Anyway. We'll have to wait to see how the Model 3 does. It's definitely off the mark, getting a lot of pre-orders, so that's obviously going to be good for Tesla, but we're going to have to wait and see what the adoption rate's like, how it settles in in people's lives, how they're using it. Is it the main car for people? I don't know. I'm not convinced. Maybe it's going to be a second car for many people, but we'll have to wait and see. Cast your mind back to last week where we talked about the Division and its groundbreaking bug, which the bug apparently only affected a sm small number of players but even so, it was a serious issue where people's high-end backpacks went missing and some people couldn't even access into the game. Well, a patch will be updated, but not as soon as we thought. April 12th is the date that Ubisoft have given us. And as an online-only game, this is a huge problem. You know, it needs to come thick and fast. April 12th, from, what, from the time of recording this, that's over a week to go. And some people can't even access, like I said earlier, and some people's items are disappearing. Ubisoft, you need to be quicker on the ball for this, I feel. Yeah, I 100% agree with you, Martin. They really need to be quicker off the line with this update. It's not really good enough. And honestly, me and Martin are desperate to buy this game and start get playing it. But we're just talking about it now. We're probably going to wait until April 12th to buy the games. It's definitely going to hamper uh, their players getting on there and playing it and new gamers buying the game as well. And, uh, you know, I was hoping that, you know, Ubisoft within the, the, you know, 24 to 40 hours would throw out a patch that at least went some way into fixing this. But it doesn't seem to be the case. They're like, oh, let's delay it. We'll add in other things in this update. We'll do it as part of a bigger update, which I understand 
understand makes more business sense for them and easier on their developers and things like that. But I do think that they should really have been on the board to show, look, we've got this. We know what it is. Let's throw the update out. Don't worry, gamers. We've got your back sort of thing. And I feel like it's a little bit half-hearted about it. And that's the thing that really worries me. It's an online-only game. It needs to support. If something happens, you need to be quick out there, throw the patch in and get gamers back into playing their favorite game. Because, I mean, I would be very, very frustrated right now if I wanted to play a game that is genuinely very good. And I've heard some really good things about the game. There's nothing towards uh, the game at all. And, uh, you know, I'd want to go on there and play. But look, I don't want to risk my, my goods. Why would I want to risk, you know, my backpacks that I've saved a lot of time and money, especially with this sort of game where you do spend a lot of time working your way out to better things and to have it be lost, even by a small percentage of people immediately, isn't good enough. So Ubisoft, please get this fixed as soon as possible. And uh, yeah, that's all really I have to say on this. Like Ben said, we haven't talked about this game and it did sort of hamper when we're gonna buy it. And other people like-minded like us would also have this. And it only just keeps spiraling, spiraling. More people just feel like, no, I'm gonna stay away from the game. It's a bit of a shame really, because Division has sort of got on track. You know, it's got a lot of hype around it and a lot of people want to buy it. But now I feel like the momentum's gonna start slowing down because of this. I feel like Ubisoft needs to, like we said, be quick and hot off the press with this. The Windows 10 anniversary update will be the biggest update for OS since it last launched last year. It's going to add plenty of new features, including biometric password support for the Edge browser. It also lets Xbox One gamers turn their consoles into dev boxes too, and will bring Cortana voice assistant and background music playback and more. We'll have to wait until E3 in June for more details though. The big new addition is the Windows Link, which should make stylus and pen input that little bit better. Right now, that's mostly good news for someone with a Surface Pro tablet but we're betting a stylus will be a pretty common straight on laptops and tablets launching in later this year. Well, I will be honest, I'm quite impressed with uh, the Windows 10 update, uh, what it's offering, obviously the Xbox One gamers especially, and obviously into PC, it, it feels like it's just touching on things that they, they needed to sort of find out, sort of remaster. So I feel like it's an, a much needed update Ben, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with your comment saying it's a much needed update. These are things that uh, people have been asking for a while, so uh, it's kind of been waiting to happen. So it's kind of just a load of little things that we've been waiting on that Xbox should have, sorry, but Microsoft should have been doing uh, before now. And they're going, well, we're still going to celebrate. We're going to do all these things at the same time. Interested to see on some of the other things that we're going to see from the Xbox at E3. And they've sort of teased a little bit there. Cortana on Xbox, probably going to be very, very useful, making use of the fact that some people have their Kinect hooked up so they can use that. Probably going to be a better system than what they've got already. Cortana is getting far more sophisticated than it was in its early days, which is always good to see. Background music playback is something that Xbox gamers have been waiting for for a while. The PS4 has had this for quite some time and with a partnership with Spotify as well. It's definitely brought a better experience in that sense. We'll have to wait and see if there is any partnerships coming up with Xbox. Maybe we'll hear something in E3 in terms of that. But uh, yeah, some inter incremental upgrades, which will always be welcome. Uh, I do have to use Windows 10 uh, every so often to do different things. I'm generally a Mac user for the sort of productivity stuff that I do. But I do have to spend my time on Windows as well. So I definitely welcome those updates and really good things coming. 
Um, they've got some really cool partnerships, I'm sure, coming up as well with other companies. They're trying to bring out more and more products that are Microsoft's own products rather than um, just Microsoft software running on other hardware. So we could see where that goes, see where Microsoft goes. Windows 10 has been doing pretty well. I mean, Microsoft did say that Windows 10 is the quickest growing operating system they've ever done, which kind of is a little bit sketchy considering they kind of force people to Windows 10 in the sense that Windows 7 uh, has been dropped support of and Windows 8 and 8.1 were so poorly accepted by Windows users that really there was little choice but to go to Windows 10. So those figures I wasn't so keen on dropped by Microsoft at their conference, but some really good updates coming. Really looking forward to what they're going to do with uh, the Xbox One and we'll have to wait now until E3 to see what other things are going to be announced. So with that, we wrap up our weekly catch-up topics this week. Don't forget you can read more on those articles on the Abrupt Audio website at abruptaudio.com forward slash pixel. A clean house is a sign of a broken computer. Pixel Podcast. So our main topic this week is all to do with Nintendo and a controversial move of them firing a female gamer, which has been definitely making waves on the internet. Now, Nintendo fired product marketing specialist Alison Rapp this week, a move that followed a ruthless online harassment campaign she'd endured from gamers peeved by changes to their beloved games. The company insists the termination announcement Wednesday has nothing to do with the harassment, but Rapp argues otherwise, regardless of how things unfolded. The incident is the latest in a series of disturbing events that demonstrate just how precarious a position women hold in the gaming industry and the length some people will go to in order to silence or even force out those they do not agree with. Worst of all, those who harass Rap will certainly see her oyster, regardless of its impetus, as a victory. That will only make the situation worse. The campaign against Rep revolved around criticism of changes made to games as they're adapted to various regions or countries, something called localization. For the role-playing game Xenoblade Chronicles X, this includes removing some of the skimpy outfits worn by teenage characters eliminated the so-called boob slider that lets players change the size of busts uh, on various characters. Some fans were not at all pleased by this, and it didn't seem to matter that Rap hadn't worked on the localization of Xenoblade Chronicles X and in fact admits liking the boob slider, she still becomes a target as she's catalogued on Twitter. The attackers grew so viciously and heavily gendered that she began to fear for her safety. A quote here says, over the last few weeks, I've had to talk safety measures with my family, including talks with the police about possibly suspicious activity. She writes on Twitter. Throughout all this, Gamergate has been digging up all kinds of things about my personal life and contacting Nintendo about them. Now, to be honest with you, I'm a little bit sick of the whole Gamergate thing. The people don't know Gamergate has been going on for a while it's talking about women in the gaming industry and also in the gaming press as well and uh, anything that seems to happen people seem to jump on and say that oh it's a woman trying to be feminist and blah 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 and blah, blah blah without really having the facts to back up anything which is typical of the internet and especially Twitter and I'm really really saddened to see this I think Nintendo had a really good opportunity to hear to say look we don't believe in all this crap and this online stuff if people want to make up stuff on the internet without any genuine evidence which is the case then and we won't take any notice in it. But they have seemed to have played into what the people on the internet wanted. They shouted hard enough and it seemed to be Nintendo seemed to go, do you know what? We don't want this bad PR. We're going to drop her, which I think is even worse PR than actually sticking by their guns. If they'd have stood up for her, I think they could have won back a lot of people, a lot of respect in the industry. And I think, honestly, 
as someone who knows other people who do um, work in the industry as developers, I think this is a really, really bad and really just shameful move by Nintendo. I think they should have supported her all the way through this. And uh, it saddens me to see that we're in this sort of state in this sort of era, uh, you know, in the 21st century where, you know, there's a whole controversy just over a woman in gaming and working like that. You know, women are going into so many different sectors uh, in the in different industries, doing many different things that were never seen before that I feel like, you know, the gaming industry, honestly, it's sounding very old-fashioned and I think we need to change the record soon because it's just getting ridiculous. Martin, do you agree with me? Absolutely, Ben. I feel um, this is totally an unfair move by Nintendo. I feel like they, like you said, they should have stuck their guns and they said, no, uh, we're going to stick by her through thick and thin and that's what should have happened. And you're right. It might have been a little... They might have thought, oh, it's just bad PR. Well... No offence, it's even bad now that you've just got rid of a lady of her stature and just just tossed her away. You shouldn't have done that. You should have stuck with them. And I understand that you've got to listen to the fans, maybe they want. But with the localization that she didn't even work on, you should have read up your facts and kept with her. I'm very uh, frustrated with Nintendo for this, and I feel like with this... It shows that they're a very old-fashioned company with old-fashioned views, and I feel like it does need to change. And like you said, the the history books have to be rewritten here, and I feel like they need to get her back onto their side. Yeah, I agree with you, Martin. I think maybe, though, a little bit too late for Nintendo to do anything about it now. I hope that some company picks her up and offers her a job or does something because it'd be really sad to see her without a job um, just because of something like this, because of some trouble that's been caused by the internet. It really does make me, you know, hate to be involved in the internet in some ways when I see things like this. You know, the internet has done some really great things and often does change people's lives for the better. But sometimes some people open their mouths and I really wish they didn't. And this is a definitely a time for that. So... Uh, we'll be interested to find out what you guys think on this topic. Do you agree with what we're saying? Get involved with the conversation on our Twitter account at Pixel Podcast. But uh, we'll leave it with that, with our thoughts completely going out to Alison. We hope that you find a new job and uh, can really make some positive notes out of this. And uh, shame on you, Nintendo. That's all I've got to say. A computer lets you make more mistakes faster than any invention in human history, with the possible exceptions of handguns and tequila. As many people who have been listening to the podcast recently know, this is the time of the show that we talk about verses. We do a secondary topic, which is our versus topic. And everyone who listened last week will know that we opened it up to you guys on Twitter and on social media, on Facebook, uh, on Abrupt Audio's Facebook, Abrupt Audio's website, to vote whether they felt that Martin or I should have won last week's verses. The versus question for some of you that might not have listened last week was with Nintendo and Sony moving their games into mobile, is this a good idea or simply a money-making scheme that could degrade existing game franchises? Martin argued that this wouldn't be a move that would affect game franchises, saying actually that it would probably help out. I argued that it would degrade game franchises. So we opened it up, like I said, to the polls on abruptaudio.com and Pixel Podcasts, Twitter and all those good places. Now, we had a total of four people vote. A whopping four. A whopping four people. So next time we do hope that more of you vote, if you can at all, on the next one. Um, but Martin, how do you feel it went? Well, first of all, let's say thank you for the four people who voted. <laughs> yes. E- even if you voted for me or Ben. I, I even said I um, you got the argument I wanted, but I feel like I did the best that I could. So hopefully it's not a, a complete whitewash if I do lose. <laughs> okay, so I will say that uh, it was a landslide. Um... Uh, whoever won, it was a landslide. Okay, so here we go. I actually know what it is. Uh, one of us had to know, so I know. Martin doesn't know. So here we go. Drum roll, please. And the winner was, with a whopping four votes, to nil, 
It was me, I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> right, we're going to abrupt audio and just vote now. <laughs> That's fair. I, I did sort of expect it. I, I hoped for one vote, though. One vote would have been nice, guys. So this brings the scores to four for me and three for Martin. Now, it's going to make it interesting when we go into this week's versus topic. There's a band called 1023 Megabyte. They haven't had any gigs yet. You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. So this week's versus topic is all to do with VR. Now, we've talked a lot about VR on the podcast, so it's very fitting that we do a versus topic about it. This is all inspiring from a Wired article where they talked about VR and how some people are claiming that it's a very isolating type of experience, one that really isolates you from the general public around. But the article is talking about how you can make VR more social. So this got us thinking. Now to read you some bits from the article for context, the article says that he was walking down this sort of uh, area, this street area, down uh, by the front and he saw this guy looking around and had no idea what he's looking at because he had these VR type goggles on his head. It was the Samsung Gear VR headset. He had no idea what the guy was looking at, but he did know that they were seeing basically different things, you know? The, the guy in the article saw trees and blue sky, but obviously the guy that was in the headset saw some, something completely different. And, you know, really talking about how, uh, you know, this experience is a little bit jarring. You've got someone in their own world in the same location as you are seeing something completely different. And VR is is very immersive, uh, and the potential of it uh, is a very compelling feature. It can put you into anywhere, in any place, at any time. But total immersion can be isolating, the article goes on to say, not just for the person in the headset, but for the people standing near him. The quote says, there's a discrepancy between inclusion and immersion. This uh, is a designer at Seattle Studio Artifact. He says his team believes the first generation of virtual reality headsets lack important human-centered features, features that would afford not only uh, immersive experience, but also a necessary communication with the outside world. Maybe you're thinking, isn't escaping reality exactly the point of VR? And you're not wrong. But the way artifacts designers see it, the virtual reality experiences of the future will shift along a spectrum of social to solitary. And the design of the headgear, not to mention gameplay, needs to reflect that. Even for the most immersive experience, we think there needs to be a room for including others. This is the uh, quote here. To show you what they mean, the concepts shadow and light are designed for two different experiences. Shadow, a hoodie with a built-in cap-like mask, is designed for maximum immersion. It runs off a mini wearable computer, making it totally wireless. Shadow is geared towards hardcore gamers who can pull up the hoodie over the head and immediately engage with their virtual world, while signaling they'd rather not be disturbed. Still, Artifact Hoodie has a handful of aspirational technologies that help players stay connected to the real world. A built-in front-facing camera tracks gestures and streams live video to provide players a sense of where other people are in the room. The mask also has an external screen that will display to non-viewers what the player is seeing. This is a high-tech take on what VR companies are referring to as social screen, or a secondary screen that allows those not in a VR to share the same experience. There's also light. Light, on the other hand, is a more casual VR user, though it employs many of the same technologies as Shadow. It's wirelessly connected to a computer or game console and fits around the head like a visor, which allows it to be slipped on and off quickly. Like Shadow, it has a motion tracking camera that lets the wearer see what's happening around them if she chooses and an exterior screen to show off those creepy glowing eyes. A bone conduction audio system allows players to hear ambient sound while pinching the touch display prompts the display to go transparent, giving the wearer an even more direct connection to the outside world. On principle, Artifact's ideas make a lot of sense. They're just really an attempt to connect those inside a virtual world to those outside, without sacrificing the immersion qualities that make VR so special. 
That's important, says Richard Marks, a senior researcher at Sony who works on the PlayStation VR. But it's not easy. Every VR company is interested in opacity variable displays, he says, but implementing it is very difficult. So this is what we're going to talk about. Do we think that VR is going to take on more of a social aspect and turn into a social experience? Does it have the capabilities of that? Or is it always going to be isolated? The actual question itself is, VR have the potential to enhance our social life, but will only immediately make us more antisocial. Do we agree with that or do we disagree with that? Martin, um, how do you feel? I feel like it's going to make us more antisocial. I have a massive big argument and I hope, I hope I get this as a question for Versus. Okay, so you agree with the fact that it's saying that it has the potential, but ultimately is going to make us more antisocial. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, well, as I won last time, I do get to have to say over this, and I'm actually going to disagree with you. I'm going to say that it will make us more social beings. So you've got what you wanted, I've got what I wanted, um, if I win the flip coin um, things we have to do. So let's do that. We used Siri last time, so we'll use Siri again. So are you ready, yeah? Let's find out. So, go on, I'll be a gentleman. What do you want, heads or tails? Oh, thanks, Ben. I will go... I always, I always get it wrong. So I, I want to say heads. You so I'm going to go tails. Okay, so you're going to go for tails. So tails would mean that you get to say that it will only make us more antisocial. Absolutely. Okay, here we go. Heads or tails? It's tails this time. You won. You won, Martin. Well done. Well done. So you get to say that it makes you want to solution. I get what I wanted. We both win, basically. Oh, well. Kind There's of. only one winner. We'll find out. Next week. <laughs> so I'm also going to be a gentleman and ask you, would you like to go first or second? I do have a big, like I said, I have a massive argument case to go, but I would like to hear what you say first. Okay. So I'll be the gentleman and let you go first this time. Okay. I will go first. So are you ready, Ben? Let's begin. Three, two, one. Go. Okay, so ultimately it is going to make us more social. Having connected experiences, being able to have maybe you and your mum, you know, little kids, have these headsets on, maybe see the stars around you, really cool star VR stuff, will be really cool because you'll be able to look at constellations, interact in that way. Being able to interact with people across the world will ultimately make us more social. Social networks have proven that. You know, if you have friends in America or other countries, you'll be able to have an interactive experience and feel like you're with that person, which I think ultimately it's going to make it better for us. A second to spare. Well done, Ben. Thank you. I, I I tried to, in my mind, keep an eye on how long I think I had left, and I got it pretty spot on, so good. I'm quite confident. I said what I really what I wanted to say, and uh, yeah, well, Martin, with that, um, are you ready for yours? Um, yeah, I'll try and tackle some points that you raised, and hopefully I'll get more than one, more than zero votes next time. Okay, well, fingers crossed. Here we go, Martin, if you're ready. Three, two, one. Go. Okay, you say it's going to make us more social with like um, with uh, Facebook and other social media. Well, not necessarily. With phones, people are always in their phone. It, they never want to talk to people at all in the room. And these VRs, they take away your vision and your hearing. That's two senses that you will not use. And you're so immersed into the gaming experience. Think how many times that you sat at home playing your games, someone comes in and you just go, oh, sorry, what, well, I wasn't listening. And it'll be just even worse now that you're surrounded in this sort of visor. Stop, stop, stop. That's it, that's it, that's all we've got time for. So, uh, do, you, do you feel like you've got everything you wanted to say in there? I started at the beginning because um, I couldn't remember precisely what you said. So I was like, oh, I thought, no, you know what, I'm going to try and tackle it a little and move into my main point. Hopefully it came across. But obviously I can't say it now because it's unfair. But I feel like I did. 
Okay, well hopefully. So, it is gonna be up to you guys listening right now. We want more than four votes this time. If you get more than four votes, five votes, I'll be happy. So, you know what to do. We're gonna have the polls up on the Abrupt Audio Facebook page. We're gonna have it on abruptaudio.com forward slash pixel on the actual show page. But uh, if you're on Twitter and like to follow us on Twitter, we really appreciate that. That's at Pixel Podcast. That's P-I-X-3-L Podcast. Follow us on there. The poll will be up on there and you can vote on there as well. So we'll have to wait now until the next episode to see how we do and whether Martin will catch up um, with my current lead or whether I will continue to lead. Come on, guys. Just one person. Takes one of you just to vote for me, please. To continue listening to the podcast, enter any 11-digit prime number after the beep. Beep. And with that, I'd like to say thank you very much for listening to episode nine. Hope you have enjoyed listening to it just as much as we enjoyed putting it together. Don't forget, you can check out all the information that we talked about on this week's podcast on the Abrupt Audio website. On the show notes, it is abruptaudio.com forward slash pixel. While you're doing all that kind of stuff, don't forget to check us out on the iTunes store and give us maybe a cheeky rating or on the podcast app for iOS. Or if you are an Android user, you can find us on the Stitcher app as well. Like I said, follow us on Twitter at Pixel Podcast. And with that, we will see you at the same time on the same channel next week. Bye. Goodbye. You've been listening to the Pixel Podcast. Thank you and good night. Or as they say in gamer speak, G-G-N-O-R-E. My mum said to me, right, do not have too much this Easter. And I thought, great. Because I still actually have eggs from last year. Yeah. I've... Honestly, I don't like eating a lot of chocolate. And then she said to me, oh, yeah, um, we've got an Easter egg hunt. Brilliant. So there's five things around. Oh, she got me this... I'm not like I'm ungrateful. She got me this big old bag of mini eggs. And there's like about 10 packets in this big old... And I'm like, okay. Then I find two of her Easter eggs. Big old... And I'm like... Do you want me to get fat? Do you want me to get spotty? Is that what you want? I had... What Easter egg from Heather? Although, no, my mum sent me a photo. There is one sitting on my desk uh, when uh, I get back home. I just haven't been home. It's one of those really cool um, new Easter egg things. It's got like lots of little things in, in it. I can't remember what it's called, but it's really cool looking. Awesome. But like, I don't want to sound ungrateful or, or bad, but honestly, it's too much chocolate for me. I'm not a massive chocolate eater. Well, I'm not as bad as I used to be. <laughs> there we go. The truth's coming out. The truth's coming out. Oh, it's all coming out, Martin.